1 this morning, Acts 1, if you're not already there. And let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning as we gather together as your church, as we open your word, as we come before you boldly in Christ alone, Father, we recognize that we do face a task that is unfinished. We face a big task to reach the world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it is a big God who has called us and it is a big God who has sustained us and it is a big God who will see it completed. Father, our hope in accomplishing this task that you have called us to, we recognize this morning, is not in our strength, but it's in you, the one who has called us. And even as we open your word this morning, as we look at these truths, may your spirit work in us for your glory. May you challenge us with the need to reach the world. May you challenge us personally to consider going ourselves. May you be lifted up in this time. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we think about that video that we just watched, Baptist Admissions, a hundred years of faithful ministry. It's not just a hundred years of, of going out and reaching the world. It's a hundred years of being faithful to the word of God. And there's many other missions like Baptist Missions. And we rejoice in those as well. But as we come to Acts 1, specifically we'll be looking at verse 8 this morning. We're going to see the invention of modern missions. The invention of modern missions. But before we can get to that, I think it's important to answer the question as we launch into a week focused on missions, what is missions? It's important for us to define this word, missions. That way, this week, as we use this word time and time again, we're all on the same page. We know what we're talking about. What is missions? Take a second and think about that. What is missions? If I were to pass out little pieces of paper and pencil and tell you, write down in, in one sentence, what is missions? How would you define it? What would you say? What is missions? This week as I've considered this, I've come to this, boiled it down to this most basically, most basically, Missions is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Most basically, missions is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. See, missions can often include much more than gospel proclamation, but missions is never less than gospel proclamation. It is not missions to build a well. It is not missions to build an orphanage. Those are great things. Those are needed things. But if there's no gospel proclamation, there's no missions going on. Missions can often, and often does include, more than gospel proclamation, but it's never less. But secondly, 
That last two words that I added on to the end of that definition, most basically, missions is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I didn't stop there. There's two words at the end there. To the world. Because missions includes an aspect of progress, of going forward, of leaving. And I think that's an important distinction. Because those two words distinguish missions from evangelism. And that's an important distinction to make. Evangelism is the responsibility of every single person in this room. If you are in Christ, you have the responsibility to evangelize. You have the responsibility to proclaim the gospel in your context, where God has put you. Evangelism has more of a local mindset. Missions, on the other hand, has a global mindset. If, if evangelism is proclaiming the gospel in my context, then missions is moving my context for the purpose of proclaiming the gospel. Missions is going forward to the world to proclaim the gospel. We'll see that even this morning as we look at Acts 1.8. So what is missions? Most basically, missions is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. As we look at this passage this morning, we'll see the power for missions, the purpose of missions, and the parameters of missions. As you start in verse 4, Luke, the writer of Acts, goes, on, he says, and being assembled together with them, Jesus, with his disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We'll come back to that. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? It's an important question. You see, the disciples at this point understand that something big is happening. Something big is happening here. There is a big change that is on the horizon. Something is coming. Maybe it's the kingdom. In fact, in verse 3 of Acts 1, it tells us that Jesus has been talking to them about the kingdom. He's been spending lots of time talking to them about what is coming. So this question is not coming out of left field. They know something big is coming. They know there's a change at hand. They know God is doing something. That they are a part of something big. What is it? Is it the kingdom? Is it at this time that you will restore the kingdom? Notice Jesus' answer. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own Authority. The end of verse 7 there, notice that Jesus does not rebuke them because they somehow misunderstood his teaching of the kingdom. He doesn't correct their, their theology in expecting a coming kingdom for Israel because they're not wrong. They're not wrong. There is a coming kingdom. Jesus is, God is faithful. He will fulfill his promises to them that he has made. 
But he does rebuke them for being focused on the wrong thing. It's not for them to know the time. It's for them to be faithful in this time. Our kids call my mom Lolly. That's her grandma name, Lolly. And Lolly was just visiting this last week. Um, but oftentimes when she comes to visit, we have to be careful about If you tell the kids too far in advance, then every single day between when you tell them and when she gets here, you will have to answer questions about when Lolly is coming. When Lolly is coming... If we were to tell our, room, our kids something like, Lolly is coming, go and clean your room. Their first question would be, well, when is Lolly coming? But that's the wrong question. That doesn't matter. What matters is that you clean your room. That's what I've told you to do right now. Yes, she's coming. When she's coming doesn't matter in this moment. What matters in this moment is what I have told you to do in this moment, to clean your room. That's what's going on here. Jesus has been teaching them about the kingdom. He's been talking to them. And they understand something big is coming. Is it now? And this is Jesus' answer. No. Now's not the time for that. In fact, you don't need to be worried about the time for that. But, verse 8, this is what you need to be rewarded with. This is your responsibility in the here and now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Your responsibility right now, right here, is not to worry about when the kingdom will come. Know that it is coming. And look for it. But be faithful with what I have called you to and equipped you for now. And that's what we see in verse 8. And that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time. See, the disciples were right. There is a big change coming here in Acts. In fact, I would submit to you this morning that missions as we know it today in the church age began with the church. The basic concepts of missions to impact the world for the glory of God is present in the Old Testament as early as Genesis 12, 3. In the Abrahamic covenant, there is a promise of blessing not just for Abraham, but to the world through Abraham. There's a global work that God is doing even back then. But in the New Testament, we find a fundamental shift in, to what we know today as missions. The shift is not in the goal of missions to reach the world, but in how the world is reached. In the Old Testament, Israel was called to stand out among the nations for the glory of God. In the New Testament, we, the church, are called to go to the nations for the glory of God. It's this shift that we see happening with the founding of the church in the first two chapters of Acts, following the death, burial, and resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. It's this shift that Jesus is talking about here in Acts one eight. This is your responsibility. You as apostles, you who will found this church, 
will be used mightily in the beginning to do great works. This is your responsibility, and this is what you must lead the church to do. First thing we see in Acts 1.8a is the power for missions. The power in accomplishing what God has called his people to in this age. And that power is the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It's interesting. Why didn't they, they just start missions right away? Why not just jump right into it when Jesus is, is risen? Why didn't they just start while Jesus was still on earth, where he could direct them, where he could, he could send them out? Peter, you're going here. John, you're going there. You over there. You over there. He could tell them exactly where to go. He could tell them exactly what to say. Why must they wait? In fact, in verse 4, we see that they're commanded to wait. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. They've been taught. They've been trained by the best teacher. What are they waiting for? You must wait for the promise of the Father. You must wait because you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And you must not go before that. That statement, it looks forward to Acts 2, to Pentecost, to the founding of the church. Jesus does not send them out as missionaries before the church is founded. Before the Spirit comes. Jesus does not send them to reach the world until he has given them the power to reach the world. Why must they wait? They must wait because they have been given a task that they cannot be successful in in their own power. But with the founding of the church, with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, those who are in Christ are now fully equipped for all that God has called them to do. You see, the change here, what is different here in Acts 1.8, in the first, actually, first two chapters of Acts and the founding of the church, it's not the Holy Spirit that is new. The Holy Spirit has always been here. The Holy Spirit has always been active. In the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit active in creation. He's active to restrain sin. He's active in the writing of Scripture. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was active in the lives of individuals. In fact, there's several places where we're specifically told that he filled or rested upon men for special service. We see that in Joseph, in Joshua, in Daniel, in Bezalel, in Othniel, in Gideon, in Jephthah, in Samson, in Saul, and many others. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit rested upon them. to accomplish specific tasks that they were called to. What is new here in Acts 1.8 is not the Holy Spirit himself. What is new is the specific ministry of baptizing into the body of Christ, of indwelling every believer. 
and empowering them for what God has called them to. That is what is new and unique here in Acts 1.8. It is the church. It is spirit and baptism into that church, into the body of Christ. And it is the indwelling and empowering Holy Spirit in every believer. And it is this ministry that is needed for the monumental task of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's important for us to notice that. They are not sent in their own spot, in their own power. They are sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. Missions is God's idea. And it's done in God's power. You see, you might say this morning, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a gifted public speaker. I'm not, I'm not really good at interacting with people. I'm not creative, as we saw in that video. I can't do those things. My first question to you would be, are you in Christ? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Because that is the power for missions. Secondly, we see the purpose of missions. You will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It, it empower, he empowers you. But to what end? To what purpose? That you shall be witnesses to me that you shall be witnesses to me. The Spirit empowers the believer to witness to Christ. It is with that power that you will be witnesses to me. There's a couple words to focus on here. Witnesses and the word to, to me. The first is the word Witnesses. It is those who tell the truth about Jesus. In the Greek, the word carries the idea of martyrdom. Those who die for their faith. Jesus is making it clear very, at the very beginning, this will not be easy. This is not a walk in the park. This will cost some of you your lives. But I will empower you for this. You are a witness to me. You are someone who bears the truth regardless of the consequences. But then there's that to me. The word to carries the idea of a destination. We are not just witnessing of a man, but of a specific man. Of the God man, of God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. We are not just witnessing of some great works but of the one who has done great works. Our witness leads to a specific destination, and that destination is Jesus Christ. Missions is done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Missions is done to point people to Jesus Christ. If you are not pointing people to Jesus Christ, you are not doing missions. 
The purpose is not to have a good life. It's not to come, go around, raise support, and then go somewhere nice and just relax. The purpose of missions is not a good life for those who follow God. It's not to make money. It's not simply even to do good, to build wells, to build orphanages. The purpose of missions is to point people to Jesus. So the power of missions, the Holy Spirit, the purpose of missions, to point to Jesus, to witness of Him to the world. But then the parameters of missions, or, or where? Where? Look what he says. This is where you will be witnesses to me. In Jerusalem. Well, that's easy. That's where we're going to be. In all Judea. That's fairly easy. That's just the region around Jerusalem. We, we go all around there. In Samaria. What? Samaria. We don't get along with them. They, they, they don't even believe right. They're, they're not like us. They're less than us. We can't go there. And to the ends of the earth. The parameters of missions is to go to the world. There's no place too far. Notice the, the progress. It starts local and it builds out. In fact, many people point out that the book of Acts actually follows, if you work your way through the book of Acts, it follows the pattern started here in Acts 1.8. As you follow the book of Acts, it starts in Jerusalem. And then it spreads to Judea and into Samaria. And then by the end of the book of Acts, you're reaching the world. It starts local, but it builds out. It starts local. That's where it's applicable to all of us. We're local. We can reach here. We may not be able to reach a foreign land, but we can reach here. The reality is if you're not reaching your local community, you'll never reach the world. There's a reason why it starts local. Notice also that it's not meant for one ethnicity or one group. It's meant for all. There's no one too low for the gospel. There's no one too high for the gospel. The gospel is not concerned with social status. The gospel is not concerned with ethnicity. The gospel is concerned with men and women. The gospel is concerned with sinners. And all have sinned. Therefore, the gospel is for all who need a savior. Missions is a big task from a big God who cares a lot about us little people. And he has called us. He's equipped us. And he's promised that we will succeed. 
The gates of hell will not prevail. And one day people from every nation and people and tongue will stand before our great God redeemed. And we will sing with them. And what a day that will be. But for today, we face a task unfinished. And so let us today, let us unite once again. Let that fire burn in us once again to go and to reach the world, to complete this unfinished task before us. I think you could build on my original definition of missions after looking at Acts 1.8. To say this, missions is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit to the ends of the earth for the glory of God. Our source for missions is the Holy Spirit. The message of missions is the gospel. The goal of missions is to reach the world. And the purpose of missions is the glory of God. And we face a task unfinished. But it's a task that will be finished. Not in our strength. But in the God who has called us, and the God who has sustained us, and the God who has equipped us. And the God who will complete what he has begun, not just in us, but in the world.